Have you ever wondered why it's difficult to give your attention, energy, and take action on what matters the most to you? Or to speak up with clarity from the best part of yourself? If that's you, then you're in the right place. The follow-through formula is dedicated to providing daily inspiration for you to follow through on the real you. Hey everybody, it's Rick Lewis. I'm back again with the follow-through formula podcast. This is episode 20. I've spoken quite a number of times about the concept of integrity, what integrity is and why we need it for follow-through. And when we're aware of all the different parts of ourselves that might make different decisions at different times or behave in different ways under different circumstances, it's important that there's a, a, a form of presence inside of us that allows us to show up and follow through with things that we've committed to, to honor previous alliances and allegiances we've made and not give them up in a moment where it's inconvenient to stand for them. So integrity is a very important concept. And because I've been speaking about it quite conceptually, a few stories came to mind today that I wanted to share with you. So the first story is, this was from many years ago, and I was presenting at an event. I was headlining at the President's Club dinner for a large company that was in the business of writing mortgages. And this was just after the 2009 economic collapse that in large measure was triggered by housing loan shenanigans, we might say, the bending and twisting of rules so that a great deal of loans were given out that should never have been issued. Many of you will remember that. And for those of you who don't, that's a quick summary of what happened in the, in the 2009 crash. So in attendance at the dinner were about 60 of this company's most successful salespeople. Like the backbone of this whole organization's greatest profitability. So I did my presentation and I stood at the back of the room. It's kind of the end of the evening and they were going to move into a DJ and dancing. And I stood at the back of the room as the president came forward to address these top performers. And the whole evening was designed to be kind of a celebration and thank you to these very high earners for the company. So the president went up and I've done I've done hundreds and hundreds of these kinds of events and they follow a certain kind of formula. And I was expecting the stock speech from the president coming up. Thank you very much. You guys are all so wonderful. Um, you know, that's what tonight's for is to celebrate you have a good time sort of thing. Um, and this was also attended not just by these sales persons, but it was attended by their spouses as, as well. So it was 
employee, salesperson, and the spouse. So when the president started speaking, what he said took everyone by surprise. These final words that he began to speak were the last thing I or anybody in that audience expected they would hear. He began by saying how sobered he was to wake up each morning to the reality that his industry and his very own company had significantly contributed to the economic troubles that were now being faced by the entire nation. He detailed how his company had participated in the meltdown of banking institutions and previously stable financial structures in the whole nation by being lax and greedy in their business. He detailed his responsibility for the problem. He admitted his own personal mistakes and he called for an immediate change in their corporate habits. He said that the trust of our customers and the general public has been deservedly lost and the vision of our company is to start tomorrow to earn it back by being trustworthy and reliable in our profession. It blew me away. I'd never heard anything like this from an executive at an event, especially one to celebrate the uh, a sales success. Now, the result of what he was calling for would without question mean less cash to his organization. But the vision, his vision was focusing on another kind of profit. One, ensuring a sustainable future. And two, just the value of being in integrity. And I watched as he concluded his speech and walked off the stage to his seat. The DJ started playing music and the dance floor opened up and it was very quiet for a while until the group finally broke into some you know low low key low level socializing but not a single employee got up or came forward to go over and acknowledge him talk to him or thank their president for speaking the truth and for leading the way to what would be a more responsible and and probably in the long run um, sustainable future. But he demonstrated a, a very rare degree of courage, but there was no reward for it right there. There was no hooray, standing ovation, as there really should have been, no flurry of acknowledgement from all of these high earners who were going to have to shift their ways. And it was going to mean, you know, financial, a different financial future for them as well in the near financial future anyway. So this president just sat there alone with his wife at the table. And I remember that evening ending and I just couldn't get out of my mind for months after I kept thinking about his unusually honest and real address to them. And I was so curious to find out what had happened after that. So finally, months later, I picked up the phone and I called him 
And he told me that he had barely slept that night after his speech, worried that he'd, he'd made a really big mistake by being so forthright and demanding with his team. And he said that anxiety lasted for days, but then an amazing thing happened, which was he started getting calls, phone calls, not from his employees, but from the spouses who were attending that dinner with their partners. And the the spouses were thanking him for the stand he'd taken for the organization's integrity. And he explained how deeply meaningful that was to him, knowing that he had the support of the families who stood behind his employees as they came to work every day. That was really an extraordinary display of leadership that I've not seen too many examples of to that degree. When a leader's willing to guard the integrity of an organization with that kind of honesty and clarity and willing to pay the price for doing it. So that's one story that comes to mind that I witnessed a very profound level of integrity. The second story is quite different. And this story took place, maybe this had to be 30 years ago, 35 years ago. I was living in the U.S. and I went to visit Vancouver, B.C., Canada for the first time. I went up, I crossed the border, and I was there to visit a friend, someone who I had met in the U.S. who lived in Canada. I went up. And at that time, I was single. Everything I owned fit inside my pickup truck. And I was performing at that time. This is when I was first starting to street perform. Uh, A spot I've talked about in some of the previous episodes called Granville Island Public Market, where you can just do street shows and pass a hat. And it was such a delightful scene. And I was so into developing that craft at that point. I hung around. I did that for a few months and it was unexpected. I mean, I didn't have any plans for how long I was going to stay in Canada, but I didn't think I was going to be there that long, but I wound up staying for months and basically living hand to mouth by street performing. And then after a number of months of being there, a woman who ran an entertainment agency saw me doing a street show and she really liked my performance. And she wanted to get me hooked up with their agency so she could pitch me to some of their clients. So I went in, had an interview, kind of reviewed what my skill sets were and what kind of gigs they could pitch me for. And they were very happy to get to offer me. I said, but I'm not yet legally allowed to work in Canada. I'm an American citizen and I'm just here as a visitor. And they said, oh, well, then what you'll have to do is you'll have to go back to the border and you'll have to get a work permit in order to work here. A work permit was obtained by having a contract in hand from a Canadian organization, which this agency gave me. And if you have skills that are qualified, meaning you weren't taking away jobs from other Canadians. So if your skills were unique enough and you had an actual job offer in a contract, you could go get a work authorization. 
So they gave me one of those. They gave me a contract and I scheduled a time to go to the border with this contract in hand and apply officially for a work authorization. So I got all the paperwork and I took it with me to the immigration office. And I went in, I sat down, there were like, you know, 40 or 50 people in there, take a number kind of thing. I went, I sat, I waited for maybe 45, 50 minutes, and then I was called forward to one of the cubicles to speak to the immigration officer. I had my forms all filled out, I had the contract, I walk up, and this woman is standing there, very nice woman, just super pleasant. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, what do you got? What are you here to do? Well, I'm here to get a work authorization. She said, okay, um, do you have your paperwork? Yep, I've got it. Here it is. I show her the paperwork. She pulls it over, starts going through it. And she, we're just chatting and being kind of social while she's going through the paperwork. And she's saying, well, this looks good. This looks all in order. Everything's fine. And I noticed then She's speaking, and it's, it's this very light, very friendly chatter. And then she kind of glances up at me over the paperwork, and, she, and this strange sort of look crosses her face. Just a fleeting glimpse of something a little odd. And then she looked back down again at the paperwork, and we're still talking, and she looks up at me again, but the look is a little bit longer, and she's looking right at me. And I'm thinking... Like, what is she seeing here in my documentation? Something, something must be amiss, but she doesn't say anything about the documents. And now she's going back and forth between looking at the documents and looking at me, and she's slowing down in her repartee with me. It's not so light and conversational. And she's getting this look on her face, which is more and more anxious and a little distraught. And now she's almost come to a complete stop. And looking at me, she said, Do you perform at Granville Island? Now, in this moment, there's about a million things going through her mind and my mind. What had happened? As she explained to me, after I said, yes, I do, knowing that that was illegal. It was coins in a hat at that point. So it wasn't like this huge giant deal, but technically what I was doing was not legal. Any kind of work in Canada without an actual permit to do that work was not legal. And here I was asking from the government for a legal document saying, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I had already broken the immigration laws. And being an agent of those laws, she was standing there looking at me, having seen my show at Granville Island. But not only had she seen my show, she was there with her six-year-old son. And not only had they watched the show, they liked it so much, they had come up after the show and I had engaged the kid by showing him how to juggle because he, he was really into it. 
and I actually took him for a ride on my unicycle, which I used to do for some kids. I'd kind of pick him up under the arms and ride him around on the unicycle. So it had been this enormously positive experience for this kid who just watched me gather five, 600 people, do this amazing show, which they just loved, and then had this interaction with me after the fact. Now she was standing there, looking at me, trying to decide what the heck to do. She had told me briefly when she said, I saw you at Granville Island. I was the one who brought the the young boy up that you took for a ride on the unicycle. And then I remembered the whole thing. I remembered the interaction with her and her son. At that point, I was profusely sweating underneath my clothes. I had no idea what was going to happen. I thought maybe she was going to call the RCMP over and have me locked up or thrown out of the country. I had no idea where this was going. And I don't think she did either. What a moment to be in. This agent of immigration law who now had to weigh the significance of not just immigration law and her sworn bound duty to it, but the presence of human law, reciprocal service law, connection law, decency law. What was she going to do? Throw this juggler out of the country for collecting some money in his hat? After the kind of generosity and that was extended to her and her son, just because that's what I love. It was a very natural connection. So she stood there staring at me, and I swear, it felt like we were there for about two hours looking at each other, and it was probably like 12 seconds. And she was so distraught. She picked up the paperwork, and I could tell she had no idea how to proceed. And she just said, wait here, I'll be back. She walked away from that front cubicle, and I saw, because there were, there were these like glass windows to the back offices, she went through this door, she went back into her office, and I could see her sitting there at her desk with her hands up to her head, leaning over the desk, looking at this paperwork. And she was there for 15 or 20 minutes. And I'm standing there at the front, literally shaking with fear of what, might happen next and and what was going to come down. Eventually, she got up from her desk. She walked back out. She came to the cubicle. She put the paperwork down and she looked like she had just aged a couple of years in the 20 minutes that she was gone. She looked so harried and, and distraught and distressed. Where she put that paperwork down, she pulled out the stamp and she put a date stamp on it. And the date stamp indicated the expiry date of the work authorization. She signed it with her signature. She handed it to me and she was not happy with me. 
She was not happy about what she was doing. But she couldn't, in her right mind, punish me or penalize me for what I had essentially done, which was bring joy to people, including her son, her and her son. And she handed me that work authorization and she said, I never saw you. And I took it and I ran out of that immigration office with that thing in hand, like shaking and trembling and sweating. How's that for a story about integrity? Did she do the right thing? Did she follow through in a right way? And of course, there's no right answer to that. Some would say, yes, absolutely, that was the right thing to do. I'm sure her boss would not have agreed. Well, I don't know. Who knows? But technically, for sure, there's no doubt some of her superiors would not would not have been happy with that decision and would not have considered it an act of integrity on her part. Follow through is not always easy. Sometimes we're in very challenging circumstances and we have to make difficult decisions for which there isn't any one right answer. So we have to trust ourselves and we have to make a decision and we have to stand by it and move with it with commitment. I think the lesson here is when it comes to follow through, we have to listen to ourselves. We have to trust ourselves because we're the ones who have to live with the form of follow through we choose. And when we, and when we make choices that are best aligned with our character and who we want to be, we draw strength from following through, even in difficult circumstances, where there's no clear right or wrong answer, but it builds character for us when we take a stand and do the thing that maybe feels like it takes bravery instead of just defaulting to something else someone has told us we should do. So there you go. There's something to think about in terms of integrity and what that actually is and what it looks like. But it's a darn important piece of follow-through. And if we're not willing to grapple with these kind of circumstances and situations and really question ourselves and experiment with being brave where we could just follow a default, then we're not going to grow and progress with our ability to follow through with more and more integrity as we grow and mature. Woohoo, I love that story. I haven't thought of that in quite some time, but it, it popped into my head today. So cool. Episode 20 in the bag and one more tomorrow to follow through with my commitment. And then actually, I don't know what I'm going to do after episode 21, whether I'll carry on uh, with a daily thing. It's, it's quite something to be doing this every day. It takes a good chunk of my day. Um, but I've absolutely loved it. 
so far, and we'll see what happens next. So thanks for listening again today, and I'll be back for my last day tomorrow. This has been Rick Lewis and the follow-through formula. Take care. Hey, thanks for being here and being a die-hard listener down to the last decibel. My vision for these conversations is that you get informed and inspired to take consistent action on the real you. If these podcasts help you to do that, I'm thrilled. And if you'd like to take that work to the next level, I invite you to join me inside the Life Leap community, where I'm creating a culture and a support network for those who want to pursue what matters most in their lives. To learn more, just go to gamesforconfidence.com and click on the Life Leap menu item. I'd love to see you on the inside, and otherwise, I'm sure we'll meet again in another episode.